Good morning. It is good to be with you. It's good to see all of you. It's great for us to be together. Appreciate the songs that Brother Phil has led us in as it lifts up our thoughts and our hearts to our God, to our Father above. Back in 1 Samuel chapter 2, 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 29, we read about how God rebuked the priest Eli, and he rebuked Eli for honoring his two sons more than God. And a couple weeks back, we studied that text and tried to draw some applications from that. And what we see very clearly, clearly in verse 29 is this, that God judged Eli. God judged Eli for his choices. God judged Eli for his actions. And all of that, that judgment of God upon Eli included his fatherly role. That was part of the reason God judged Eli. Fathers and their roles are God-designed. Fathers and their roles are God-ordained and God-governed. I've been asked to do a follow-up lesson from that, that lesson from a couple weeks back. But to, to address some aspects of the spiritual leadership of fathers in their families. And that's my goal this morning to try to achieve that request and talk about the idea, well, what can fathers do to be the kind of leader that they need to be? God clearly has commanded in his word from the beginning that men are to father children where? In an honorable union of marriage. That is God's ideal. That is God's design. That we are to father children in an honorable union, lawful union with our wife. But also we see, as we focus here right at the beginning in Ephesians 4 4 verse 6, is the, actually it should be 6 verse 4. Ephesians 6 verse 4, that God also says fathers are to bring up their children in the teaching of God. So yes, there is, that God has commanded about you know, where we are to father properly children. But also he says, fathers, dads, it is your primary role to raise your children to fear and obey God. So, how do we do that? How do dads go about honoring God before their children. How do dads go about honoring God in the presence of their children? Yes, children are a gift. They are a, a, a priceless gift. There is, there, it's an immeasurable gift. But children are also a stewardship. They are a stewardship that we receive from God. God has placed children in the care and the charge, the protection of their parents. But ultimately, 
Ultimately, your children belong to God. Ultimately, they're God's. Now, yes, we said they're our kids, and rightfully so, we understand that relationship. But ultimately, it is a stewardship that, has been, that we have received from them. And it was an amazing steward that, yes, it, at the same time, it is a gift. But ultimately, they are God's children. <laughs> they are precious souls that are loved beyond measure by their creator. We are not their creator. They're loved by their creator, a creator, the only creator that exists, who has given them their own free will, just like ours. Our children have a free will, and we have a free will. We all have been given a free will by our creator, which needs guidance. It needs direction. And all of us who are adults and as brought out by the exhortation and the reminder of Joshua's uh, uh, word, Josh's words before the Lord's Supper, we have all fallen short of the glory of God. But we need guidance. Guidance toward heaven because why? Well, there's all kinds of worldly influences around us. And recently we had a very powerful lesson that talked about some of those influences. And these influences are seeking to lead all of us, from children up, trying to lead us in different directions away from God, from our creator. So how do we honor God, honor God in the presence of our children, the way that God wants us to do that. Do I have all the answers? No. You know, and as a dad, you know, did I make mistakes? Yes. But we look to God's word for direction. We look for God, to God's words, you know, for the insight to point us in the way that we should go. I want to start with this point, and this is a little bit bold. But children are not an interruption. Children are not an inconvenience to your life. As I look over this audience, I confidently feel I could say, that is not how you feel. And that's not how you think. But I want us to begin here, because there is a thought I want you And like I said, this lesson is primarily directed to dads and future dads and granddads, all right? The lessons are primarily directed to us men. But clearly the principles that we'll talk about, you know, carry over to the women as well as we interact with our children. We live in a very selfish, a very greedy culture. I think we could say, yeah, that's true. I think we can agree on that. We live in a very selfish and greedy culture in which the hearts and the minds of many, if not most men, have been trained, have been trained to pursue their own ambitions, to pursue their own desires, because the world's view, the world's philosophy is this, that ultimately it's all about your personal happiness. 
Now, that, that is the ultimate goal. And everything just kind of, you know, is to be used for that, that advantage. That, okay, the man is to you know, make his choices, his decisions, and whatever. It's all about his personal happiness. That's the world's view. And I'm not saying, I am not accusing, I am not pointing this at you. But I'm trying to get us to think. Modern dads, though, are very busy people. All of you are very busy people. You know, we live in a culture that has somehow trained us, and we are, in, in a sense, in this rat race. We are busy people, and dads are busy people, trying to provide for the different expected family needs. Modern man, that's where, he, you know, that's where he, the modern dad finds himself. Busy and expected to provide certain family needs. So he, here's my question for us to ponder for very, very briefly. And that is this. And this is to the dads, eh, to moms as well, maybe at moments. But what is yours? What is our first reaction what is our first reaction when we are pressed for time to complete a task and you are interrupted by your child we are busy people and we are busy dads trying to fulfill all our responsibilities and so here we are pressed for time to finish a task how do we react in that moment when you are interrupted by one of our children? Well, consider the example of Jesus. Mark 10. Here in verse 13, it says, and he says, and they were bringing children to him so that he might touch him, touch them. But the disciples rebuked them. Here's the dads. <laughs> we're too busy. We don't have enough time for this stuff. The disciples rebuked them. And when Jesus saw this, he was indignant. Jesus was indignant by their, I think you could suggest, you know, good intentions. They're trying to watch out for the Lord, I believe. And so he's indignant and said to them, permit the children to come to me or let the children come to me and do not hinder them for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child will not enter it at all. And he took them in his arms and he began blessing them, laying his hands on them. Are you as busy as Jesus was. Are you truly as busy as Jesus was? Jesus was an extremely busy teacher. For this duration, about three and a half years, he was extremely busy. He was pressed by time. He was pressed by the urgency and the gravity of why he is here and what he needs to say and what he needs to do. Are you as busy as Jesus was? Now, I'm not suggesting here, 
preface that I'm not suggesting that children do not need to learn boundaries. Yes, children need to learn boundaries. And I'm not suggesting that children don't, don't need to learn respect for moments. So that's not the point. It is only a thought that is a prelude really into the more practical aspect of my lesson today. And that is, you know, when we're interrupted, dads, when we're interrupted, what is our first reaction? So very simply, here's this. Can we not all do better? Can we not all improve our own mindset? Yeah, our mindset of welcoming and utilizing interruptions more like Jesus. Can't we all do that a little bit better? Of course we can. I'm confident you would all say yes. There's always room for all of us to make improvements in different ways in our life. It is. But why is it sometimes we don't welcome interruptions like we should. And there's, you know, there, like I said, there, there's, there's this, like I say, there's, this, there's boundaries and all, all that has to play into this. You know, you know, common sense parenting has to play into this. But have you ever been in a situation where, yes, you were pressed by time to finish a task and you're interrupted and you could have done better? It could have been, you know, it wasn't, as pressing, really, as you thought. You should have taken some time. Surely, we've all made that mistake as dads. Maybe we're trying too hard to meet the world's expectations. Or maybe it's just we're, we're, we're trying too hard to meet our own personal goals. Because that's what the world says. It's all about your goals, your ambitions, your desires. Instead of simply answering the Lord's call of being a dad. Here's my primary point this morning, and that is children need a father's nurture. Children need their father's nurture regarding the Lord's instruction. Children understand and view you know, God, their heavenly father, by the impact of their earthly fathers. We are all, we've all been impacted by our father's life, our father's you know, influence. And so children are going to be impacted, sometimes even in ways more so by their dad, in spite of all the good the mom has done. We impact, not just each other, we impact the younger generation. And so this does bring this very sobering and humbling and I don't like to look in the mirror moment where the idea that my daily example is either my greatest teacher or it is my greatest stumbling block. Our words, our deeds, our attitudes, all of it is impactful. How do we treat their mother? How do we talk about our brethren? How committed are we to spiritual activities? How passionately 
Do we love God's word and lost souls? On and on, you could have your own questions. We impact each other, we impact the younger generation, we impact our kids by our example. Here's an interesting passage that is not generally applied in the context of parenting. But here you have Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount, chapter 7, saying, You hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Is there, is there an application that be made to dads? Yes. It's a thought. Our example can be the greatest teacher or can be the greatest stumbling block. Another passage is kind of throw into the mix here. Another one we don't you turn to when talking about being parents, being dads, and that is, brethren, if anyone is caught in any trespass, you who are spirituals, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, each one looking to yourself, so that you too will not be tempted. These are exhortations about how we should live our life and how should we interact in relationships you know, with each other, but there is a principle here that definitely can be applied to us men in our families, in the examples that we are displaying on a daily basis. So how? How do dads, how do us fathers and grandfathers, how do we honor God in the presence of our children, before our children? How do we do that? Well, first of all, know what your ultimate goal is. You, we need to know what our goal is really in raising our kids. You know, raising children is hard. It's hard. And you don't know how hard it is until you wear the shoes of a parent. <laughs> you know, we know it's going to be hard because people tell us and they admonish us and they help us. But until you're wearing those shoes, you know, when you're dealing with a toddler, the two-year-old, or you're dealing, you know, with the 11-year-old, you know, or you're dealing with the teenager, or you're dealing with the young adult. I mean, all those stages are not easy things to handle. So raising kids is just hard business. Is it worth it? Yes. It is a gift, and it is a stewardship. So it's not to be viewed as something miserable and I don't want everyone to be a parent. No, but yet there is to be a sense of soberness that comes with it and humility. You're raising children to be responsible adults of integrity. Young adults who are producers of good things takes a lot of training in a lot of different areas. I mean, to, to raise kids, to be adults that are responsible and dependable, there's a lot that goes into that. The idea of being dependable workers, reliable providers, loving spouses, loving parents, good neighbors, on and on the list goes. That, that's just hard. But what is your goal? What is the ultimate goal in raising your children and your grandchildren and even your brethren's children. And that is to fear and obey God. 
Solomon writes at the end of Ecclesiastes 12, you know this, the conclusion is when all has been heard, fear God and keep his commandments because this applies to every person. This applies to your kids. That's, this is ultimately what our goal is to raise our kids. All these other, other factors of life fall under this greater premise. Jesus says it this way. You should love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind, quoting from the Old Testament. That's what we're to raise your children to do, is to love God, to fear God, to obey God. Paul says it this way when he writes in his second letter to Timothy about inspired scriptures and how good they and profitable they are. And he says, so that the man of God may be equipped for every good work. See? That's the, so that we, they will be sons and daughters of God equipped for every good work. The inspired word in the book of Hebrews says it this way, that discipline is, is for what reason? Well, discipline is the purpose there at the end of chapter, verse 11. He says, so it will yield the peaceful fruit of righteousness. This is the ultimate goal in raising your kids and your grandkids and each other's kids, helping each other do this together. This is the goal. All these other things, dependable workers, you know, you know, financially stable, you know, good provider. All of that falls under this overriding principle. But this ultimately, because if they love God with all their heart and they fear God and they obey God and they're equipped with God and they're disciplined by God, all these other things are going to fall into place. And we know that. I'm not telling you anything new. There's nothing new under the sun. You know this. But if we're going to honor our children, you know, I mean, honor God in the presence of our children, it begins by knowing what the goal is when God says, you know, I give you your kids to raise them for me. How do we do that in a practical sense? I got three simple points. Yeah, three simple points. The first one is this. Talk daily about God with your children. Talk, we'll get to the teaching aspect. Talk daily about God with your children. Drawing from the exemplary command that God gave his people in the Old Testament there in Deuteronomy chapter six, and when he says, okay, you're to teach the law, you're to teach my commandments diligently to, to your children. And he goes on to say, and talk of them, talk of God, talk of the commandments when you sit in your house. And when you're walking by the way, and when you're lying down, you're rising up. And the whole point, and you know this, is make God part of everyday activities. Make God part of everyday activities. There are proper times for more formal and organized instruction. There is a place for that. But it starts with talk daily about God with your children. And that means as when you're doing chores around the house. You know, when, when, you, when you're sitting around the table. You know, when you're you know, doing play activities. 
Talk daily with your kids about God. Let me suggest just some simple examples that came to my mind. Children just naturally have this attention that is drawn with great interest and amazement. And so sad, sometimes we lose that tendency as we grow of the world around them. Nature is fascinating to kids. That's one example. Nature is, is fascinating to kids. So what can you do? Well, only the all-powerful and wise God made it all. It is a perfect moment to talk about God's amazing power and amazing love. While working in the yard, you're digging in the dirt, Talk about the parables of Jesus. Parables that teach us about the importance of sowing or pruning or harvesting. Talk daily about God with your kids as you interact with all the stuff about life, living each day, doing things. When there is a need for resolution and reconciliation. That, if that, you know, there's a moment there needs to be some resolution and reconciliation required. Turn to God's stories about conflicts. Turn to God's stories about conflicts, such as the time when Abraham let Lot pick first the land. Use the stories from God and about God as your platform just to talk about God with your kids. Point two, read. Read to your children the scriptures. Read to your children the scriptures. The world knows how reading Reading to your children. The world knows this, and we all know this. How reading to your children from a very early age is extremely beneficial to their mental and educational development. You start early on just reading to your children. It it enhances their development immensely. We know that. From a secular aspect, we know that. In the days of the governor Nehemiah, the governor Nehemiah Ezra, the priest, was approached by the people and, and basically they're saying, we want you to read to us. Yeah, now, the people would not have had copies of the law. And so it is a time of renewal. It's a time of fervor. It's a great time when you're reading there in Nehemiah chapter 8. It is a high point in their history. And they come and they say, Ezra, we want you to read to us. And they gather together, he says here in verse 3, he read from the law you know, before the square, which was in the front of the water gate, from early morning until midday in the presence of men and women and those who can understand. And all the people were attentive to the book of the law. In the New Testament, the Apostle Paul gives, gives uh, Timothy this instruction in regard to the importance of how he needs to give attention to public reading of Scripture. 
and to exhortation and teaching. But he says, give attention to reading of Scripture. So I suggest to you that children, children need quiet time. Children need still moments simply hearing their fathers reading from their heavenly father's book. Read the scriptures to your kids. Children's picture Bible story books, they can be, they can be helpful. They can be a resource. But your kids need to hear the scriptures. They need to hear the breath of God revealed in the written word. And fathers, we need to be constantly exposing our children to the hearing of God's word. Make it familiar to their ears. Will they they understand everything in that reading every time? Probably not, particularly depending on the ages of your kids. But whether they understand it at that moment, they still need to hear it. They need their earthly fathers. They need to hear their earthly fathers reading from their heavenly father's book. Now use common sense, dads. We all need to use some common sense on how much you know, we read out loud you know, to our kids in one sitting. <laughs> We've got to know our kids. You know, we've got to know, you know how much they really can sit still and take a moment and just hear the Bible read to them. As they grow and develop, that, that can shift and change. But read. Read to your children the scriptures. Because it's immensely important to their spiritual development. My third and final point is simply this, and that is instruct your children in the Lord's way. All of us dads and granddads and future dads need to be equipping. We all need to be equipping ourselves, brothers. We need to be equipping ourselves to be teachers in our families. You may never stand behind a pulpit and bring a sermon to a congregation, and that's okay. And you may never stand in a public classroom, like a, a classroom in the back, and present a formal lesson in that setting, and that's okay. But we're all to be growing and developing to be teachers. And so, yes, Paul tells Timothy, he said, you need to entrust the things I've taught you to faithful men who will be able to teach others. Who are the first ones we dads need to be teaching? Our kids. And so you need to be equipping yourselves, dads and future dads, to be able to teach your kids what has been entrusted into us. The souls of our children with the bread of life. Instruct your children in the Lord's way. How do we do that? And there's a number of suggestions you can make. This is just simply one, one aspect. First of all, that is intentionally schedule. Intentionally 
schedule regular family devotions. Intentionally do that. Schedule these things to fit your schedule. Schedule these things to fit your family's schedule. And if the schedules change, we'll change your devotional time. Obviously, there needs to be flexibility here. But just because it's hard to fit things in, should, oh, well, uh, you know, let's not do it. I just don't have time. Well, no. We need to interrupt our schedules and intentionally lead family devotions. So how do I do that? as a dad. Dads need to be doing this. We need to be doing this as granddads. How do we do that? Well, you've got to choose. Secondly, you need to choose the effective time that's suitable for the ages of your kids. 10 minutes, 30 minutes, but you're going to have to make that decision. You know, however long that session is going to be, you got to know the, your kids and, and what comes with their ages but schedule a time that you can have a devotion with God's word and, and like say, you and the mom work together. Say, okay, this, this should be a good time that we can do this together as a family. And okay, let's do it just this long. You know, and as they grow, you, you, can, you can lengthen that a little bit maybe. But schedule time and you decide how long that's gonna be And then with that, you have this idea also you need to plan ahead. There needs to be planning in this. It may be a week-long theme. It may be a a month-long theme. But, you know, make some plans. Intentionally schedule it. Decide how long it's going to be. And then plan it out. And, And once again, you know, dad and mom together can plan this out together. But you need to plan that. It might be character studies, like the stories about Abraham. So you can just you know, do all, all these different stories about Abraham. That may be a theme you could do. Or it could be the idea of, well, let me just pick some st- different stories from one Bible book or different texts from one Bible book. Or you can jump over, you know, like, well, let's look at the parables of Jesus. Or let's just let's, let's read and study about the miracles of Jesus. Or let's just pick one, one epistle, and we're going to choose from that epistle different lessons that we can all learn from it. There's a number of things you can work together and plan ahead this idea of having a scheduled time where there is instruction. Now see, this is the more formal, organized instruction of teaching where you got the talking every day about God, you got the reading of of the scripture to them out loud as they sit there quietly and hear you read, and now you've got instruction going on. But through all of this, keep it simple. Keep it simple. Pray. You know, read your selected uh, text, your selected scripture. Explain what it means. Ask some simple questions. And then make one practical, relevant application. Keep it simple. Can you do this? Yes. Dads can do this. I'm confident that all the dads in this room can and are able to do this. And you may already be doing this. And praise to God for that. But these are just some suggestions of how can we honor God in the presence of our children. 
I want to end just very quickly with this, some three, just three basic important spiritual lessons that always need to be brought out in all aspects of this journey of raising your kids in the way of the Lord. And very simply, it's these three things. And that's one, always bring out, bring to the forefront of your children's thoughts and heart that the fact, God's character, the character of God and the dealings with God, you know, that God has with people. That needs to be one of the big highlights that you know, are brought out along the way. You know, God's character and God's actions, God's dealings with people. Secondly, it needs to be the emphasis of the authority of the inspired scriptures, the inspired word of God, the breath of God that flowed from him through the spirit to chosen prophets and apostles. Emphasize the authority of God's words. And thirdly, you know, always bring to light the fact that all of us, no matter how old or young we are, all of us are responsible and accountable to listening and obeying God. Everybody is. Does everybody do that? No. But are we all called to do that? Yes, we are. And we need to emphasize these basic principles. We can do this. We are able to do this. You and I can do this. The challenges of being parents is a challenge. <laughs> it is a challenge, but it is a worthwhile, it is a meaningful endeavor. And with God, you can do it. That's the thing. That's the key. With God, you can do this. Now, no earthly father, not a single one of us in this room will do absolutely everything perfectly right. We won't. We haven't and we won't do everything absolutely perfectly right. If, if we did, we wouldn't need Jesus. But we need Jesus. Why? Because the fact is we don't do that. And even as fathers, we will not do that. But... As dads and granddads and future dads, as redeemed sinners, that's what we are. As redeemed sinners who are daily trying to obey the Heavenly Father, we are seeking to obey the Heavenly Father. Our task as dads as, and fathers is, our task is to daily plant into daily water. That's our task. Our task as dads and as parents together is to daily plant and to daily water, knowing ultimately the Heavenly Father is the one who brings the growth. It's the Heavenly Father that brings the increase in their lives. As He guides their, three, their free wills through life to love him, to fear him, and to obey him. God so loves the world. You and I and everybody else that has ever lived, that lives right now, and will live. God so loves the world 
that Jesus, his son, died. God so loved the world that Jesus, his son, died for you, for me, and for all. And he wants all of us, he wants all of us to come to him with our free will to make a decision of faith to come to Jesus so that he can adopt us back into his fold. That's what God wants. And that's why God is still suffering long with this world. He's wanting to adopt more children, as many as he can. The time will come that adoption process will not be available. But today it is. God is calling you to turn to him. God is pleading with you to listen to him. God is begging you to fear him and to obey him by submitting your will to his son's will. The one whose blood can wash away sin by grace through faith. If you're here today and you're not a Christian, we want to encourage you to do that. We want to encourage you to do that because that's what God wants you to do and God is begging you to do that. And so he's calling you to confess your faith that you believe Jesus is the Son of God that he was raised from the dead and with the confession of faith are willing to repent of the sins in your life and to be buried with Jesus Christ in the watery grave of baptism so that you be raised up to walk a new life with Jesus now, an adopted child of God where we are being guided and trained and disciplined by our Heavenly Father so one day we can go home to Him. Will you do that? Come, always stand and sing.